welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, into the Get Around podcast. Before we get things going, I got to say there's one piece of breaking news that is more important than anything out there. Tom Hanks will be playing Mr. Rogers in a biopic coming up. He's been cast as Mr. Rogers. Going to be rocking that cardigan and letting you know that uh, he'll be asking the question, won't you be my neighbor? And I would be Tom Hanks' neighbor. It's not going to be the Eddie Murphy version? No, it is not going to be the Eddie Murphy version. That would be even better, I think. I I don't get that reference. That's all right. You're a very young person, and you didn't watch SNL uh, when you... Or even... Well, it was way... I think it was before I was alive, but even I still... uh, I I catch that reference there, Jimmy James Cook. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Jimmy James (laughs) Cook, I am your host, Brendan Queeley. In the studio with me, as always, is Jimmy James Cook. And at BA Sports Writer, I'm going to take a... Stab in the dark, shot in the dark, throw a dart at a dartboard in a in the dark, and that that A stands for Arturo. Is that correct? Is your middle name Arturo? <laughs> Adam. Adam. Arturo. Right. James oh. is correct. Oh, it's Adam. I was. It is not Arturo. <laughs> what about Arthur? Is it Arthur? Uh, we I think we established what it is. So what I'm gonna do every week because I'm not sure what you, your middle name is yet, and I know that James hasn't said it, and I know that you haven't told me yet. But every week I'm gonna. <laughs> Guess what your middle name is, and I, I've been told I can scratch Arturo off my list. Sounds which, good. Which is good. My to guess know. is now that you don't know what it actually is, you can go for a long time without stumbling upon it. Yeah, never heard it. So, <laughs> oh man. So what about your what about your wife? Is her middle name Eve? That would be awesome. It is not, uh-huh. and it actually has an apostrophe in it. She should change her middle name to Eve. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I think that what your middle name is Adamansky? Adamantium. Which is what Wolverine <laughs> has cool. in his... Yeah, I know. I'm naming my son Adamantium. Yeah. I just figured that out right now. Naming my son like Adamantium it. and my daughter Jimmy James Cook. That is <laughs> what I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do to my children right now. So, uh, scarred for life. Yeah. All right, well, welcome in to another installment, episode number 20 of the Get Around Podcast. Last week's show was a major hit. We are uh, close to 400 listens right now. You want a live, um, you want a live update? Yeah, give me a live update there, Brett. We had 398 this afternoon on episode 19, which means we're overall on SoundCloud, iTunes, and the Record Eagle website. We're probably sitting around anywhere from 530 to 550 which is just blowing up. Did we hit four hundo? Still three ninety eight. Still three ninety eight. <laughs> All right, people out there, if you haven't listened to episode number nineteen, just go over there, give it a click. That's all we need. We need two more need two, clicks. Two of you. Just two yeah, of you. Just two more clicks. And even if you have listened to it, go back and click it again. Clear those cookies in your browser history and click that play button one more time. I always feel like you mismarket this. You just you just want people to click on it or listen to a portion of it. Everybody out there, you can listen to the whole thing. Homeboy right here likes his numbers. That's what it is. But it's worth listening to the whole thing. Yes, it absolutely is, especially the beginning, because we never get off track in the beginning. We're always really on point, very succinct. Brevity is the soul of wit, which means I am witless. Give the people an expectation of me. Don't let them off the hook. You said it, Adam. All right, uh, good. We've got a good show you just for you. acknowledged you know it, so your fun little segment comes to an end. What's your first name, though? What's the B stand for? 
Barry. <laughs> yeah, Barry Arturo Summers. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we we do have a good show for you today. Uh, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the Thomas Kithier saga. He is the uh, transfer from Macomb, Dakota to now top-ranked Clarkston. And the MHSAA has ruled that he is ineligible to play basketball his senior year, which is this year, because what they deemed uh, his move from Macomb, Dakota to Clarkston uh, an athletically motivated transfer, which is against MHSAA bylaws. So we'll be talking about that between the three of us. We also have Thomas Kithier's lawyers, Ven Johnson and Steve Fishman on, and we'll talk to them a little bit later over the phone. And then, right after that, we've got the Get Around Hall of Fame. Three really good candidates. Do we do? We have three this week, right? Each yes. one of you is coming in strong with your candidate. All right, very good. And we will then get into the trifecta and end the show with that as we reveal our favorite slash best football movies as we head into Super Bowl weekend. Before we get into all of that, why don't we get around the sports world and check in with the pulse as i said earlier we're getting into the thomas kithier saga i've had uh, you know there's a lot of good arguments on both sides of this i don't really agree with the ruling all that much you, you look at it it's a high school kid he's not being able to play the sport that he loves his senior year his last year in high school and yes he is a commit to michigan state university but still uh, he'll be playing in college but i, I think the High school years, playing your favorite sport, or playing ball, or whatever you're doing, is is one of those special moments. And the fact that he is not able to play right now on the top-ranked team in the state is a bit of a shame. I give Thomas and his family credit for sticking to their guns. And I mean, even though this ruling thus far has not gone their way, they didn't just back out and return to Macomb, Dakota, just so that he could get back on the basketball floor. I mean, yeah, I and mean, I'm torn a little bit on this. Uh, you know, I, I think in his case, I mean, is it an athletically motivated transfer? I think, yeah, probably. I mean, al- almost all of these, I would think, fall under that 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 you know guide there that that it's it's got something to do with sports. Um, I think Mick McCabe's column was on this was really good um, for the Detroit Free Press. Um, you know, when he said that every one of these transfers like this is athletically motivated, every single one. So you know, why was this one cherry picked? Why did the MHSAA go after this one? I, I think maybe because it was high profile. You know, I, you know, it's a kid going between two traditionally pretty good programs, um, and you see this a lot more in the Detroit area than you do up here. You know, you see there's kids transferring in football and basketball between schools all the time down in the Detroit area. You know, I think they, you know, the one of the points I think the you know, the listeners will hear when they come up, the lawyers made. When they were talking to us, was that uh, you know the MHSA is trying to um, limit the power or the influence of AAU coaches and AAU teams, and right because he played with one of the players that is uh, at Clarkston right now, and they Clarkson. played together in AAU ball. Yeah, so that that right was there was also Michigan State commit. Correct. Yeah. yeah, so I mean that right there. Technically, according to the MHSAA's rules, makes it an athletically motivated transfer. Right. We kind of saw the same thing in volleyball this year at Elk Rapids with Nikki Wilkins stepping down after there were some accusations about uh, a lot of her players 
playing uh, club ball. I, AAU ball, is that correct, or was it just club it's, ball? It was a travel team, yeah. Okay, it was a travel team, and why, while she wasn't listed as the head coach on the roster of that, uh, there does seem to be some photographic proof that she was the one kind of leading the team and with seven players on that club travel team that were also playing at Elk Rapids something like that and there's a limit as to how many players you can have on a, te- on a travel team from the same high school yeah what's interesting about that though is the MHSAA pretty much said well we can't do anything here and it was more like a, a tap on the wrist more than I would say even a slap on the wrist yeah they pretty much just accepted Elk Rapids' own you know Self penalty, yeah. which was to give her a, a, at the time a, a, a write up, I guess, basically a, a written warning. Well, from what I understand, it wasn't such a case of cherry picking, as you said, Brendan, but I mean, this all came about because Macomb, Dakota refused to authorize the academic transfer in order for that to happen and for him to have been able to play at Clarkston. Macomb, Dakota would have had to sign off on it, and they refused to do so. Yeah, that definitely was the first the first domino in the in this whole thing. So why would Macomb Dakota do that? Would they are, sour grapes? Would are they that, that upset simple? that some it, it that just doesn't yeah, seem I mean, to make star. sense to me? Fine, but you are a group of adults. You're really going to deny a teenager the uh, you know I can't say right because the U.S. Uh, district judge uh, said that playing basketball is not a right. That was her ruling uh, in the appellate court that was just handed down a couple of weeks ago. Sure, it's a privilege. It's not a right, but it just doesn't seem to make sense to me that a bunch of adults uh, are just like, we're going to go at this kid, and we're not going to let him play high school ball for anybody but us. And, yeah, yeah, you guys are right. Sour grapes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Macomb, Dakota, is necessarily in the right here, too. But I'm kind of surprised that this doesn't happen more often. especially with the schools down in Detroit, how competitive they are with each other, and all these transfers going around, I'm kind of surprised that you haven't had more schools do this and refuse to to grant the the waiver for the transfer. Well, I'm sure, or my guess would be a little bit of that is, I mean, couldn't there non-discussed agreement kind of? I mean, because if one school denies... Uh, I think it's definitely yeah, part the of it. Transfer to one, then the if reciprocity. Somebody, if somebody's going to transfer from the other, you know, back to the original school, then that school's going to say no, and it's just going to be nobody's ever going to allow anybody to transfer because sports. Yeah, <laughs> sports. That seems to be the, the the thing here is is sports. Is this a good rule? Is this you can't transfer based on athletics is this a good rule here in michigan or is it one that seems to be i don't know uh, out of bounds a little bit if i can use a sports term i think it's a poor rule uh, or poorly executed you know i don't i don't see any way that the mhsa or either school can confirm or prove that the reasons the Kithier family gave for Thomas transferring aren't true, and I also don't see how they can prove that it is or isn't athletically motivated. And I feel like if you can't prove it one way or the other, then it shouldn't even be an issue. He should be able to go to school and play for whatever school he wants to play for. Right, and uh, sit until proven guilty. If, if they have, you know, somebody, you know, if they have an email or they have something that says, yeah, we're, you know, we want to transfer because basketball is better over here, okay, then 
I'm all right if it gets shut down for that. But if you've got nothing behind it, I, I think it's a I think it's a poor and I think it's a poor rule. But as the as the rule and the bylaw says is that you cannot transfer to another school and play for another team that has an AAU coach or a teammate that you have played with before. So not only is it obvious, but it is just a straight fact that he played with Foster Lawyer, who goes to Clarkston, in AAU ball. That is a clear violation of the of that rule. It, it's got to be upheld. The fact that you know it's not always upheld and that there aren't always complaints. The fact here is that Macomb, Dakota made the complaint. MHSAA looked into it. Kithier, Lawyer played together on an AAU team, and that is a violation of the rule. Doesn't mean I gotta like it. No, I don't like it either. Yeah, I think I think it's a well-intentioned rule, but I don't know that it's, you know, a good rule necessarily. So what is but the intention of the rule? I, do, I mean, I think the intention of the rule is, like the, like the lawyers uh, say, to, to somewhat limit the influence of AAU, but also to just to prevent a complete free-for-all for these good athletes between high schools, a rampant recruiting. I mean, there already is recruiting and accusations. It would essentially be free agency. Yeah, more or less. High school free agency is is the only attraction that they'd be playing for a better program. Why can't someone go to a better program to not only increase their talent but reach their potential as a basketball player, as a baseball player, softball player, football player, wrestler? Why not? What is the intention? is to keep a talented kid at another school that may not allow him to reach his potential? I mean, that, that's not a bad argument, but then you go, on the other hand, you've got that, I mean, you'll have just this rampant amount of recruiting. And I don't know, that that's, I don't know that that's a good way to go either. But there's all kinds of it going on now with the rule in place. And if you, if you, if you just remove that, it's going to, unquestionably be worse. So do you think this rule is stopping or preventing any athletes from trying to transfer? Not any, but I mean I mean not all, but but some, obviously. I don't know whether I don't know what a perfect solution for it is. I know I know what's in place now is not a perfect solution for it. I just I don't know that I want high school athletics to be kind of corrupted in that way that college athletics has already kind of become in the in the recruiting wars. I don't know, it's one of those back and forth kind of situations that I look at and go, well, there's good arguments on one side, but there are also good arguments on the other side, and the the worst part is that Kithier is stuck in the middle, and he's not going to be playing ball this in his senior year. And I'm not sure if, you know, once basketball season is over, do the lawyers need to keep going on this one? Should they just drop the case? It doesn't sound like they will. Yeah, not if they can get some kind of punitive damages for it. As, which is kind of what they're trying to argue for. All right, well, enough discussion between the three of us. Why don't we go ahead right now and bring in Kithier's lawyers, Ven Johnson and Steve Fishman. It is our pleasure now to welcome in Steve Fishman and Ven Johnson, the lawyers for Clarkston's Thomas Kithier. Uh, thanks again. Uh, really appreciate you guys coming on. The The first question that I've got for you is, it's pretty just it's basic, but how is Thomas reacting to all of this? What is, I mean, he's a high school kid, Going through all of this, what, what what's kind of his mentality right now? Well, it, it's it's fairly obvious what his mentality would be. He, he realizes that he's a pawn in uh, some kind of a 
struggle between the MHSAA and what's going on in the real world of high school athletics, and he's getting screwed over because the MHSAA thinks they're going to be able to set the clock back to when Ben and I were playing in high school, uh, and they think they're going to stop high school transfers, they're going to stop people from playing AAU, they're going to stop people from trying to get recognized so they can get college scholarships, and they think that by screwing over Thomas Kippier, somehow they'll be able to turn the clock back. Unfortunately for them, that genie is so far out of the bottle that they had no chance of being successful. To uh, add to that a little bit, Thomas is a big, strong kid, but at the same time, obviously, he's human, and now he's being completely deprived of his senior year. And when we were in court arguing to the judge, one of the most, I thought, poignant arguments of the entire day is what Fish said to Judge Batani is like, there's there's no more important year in an athlete's life than his senior year or her senior year. And for Thomas to have to go through all this and to be yanked around and jerked around as he has by the MHSAA and his former school, Dakota, it's a, it's a shame. So yeah, he's incredibly disappointed. He uh, had a lot of stock in, in this uh, preliminary injunction uh, that we filed, even though we explained to him from the outset it was going to be extremely uphill battle under the law. But uh, so yeah, he's he's incredibly bummed. As I think we'd all expect him to be. Do you expect this to this case to be a kind of a landmark case that can set a precedent in uh, instances such as Thomas's in the future? <laughs> James, I guess it depends on how you define that. The way it's going to work under the law is a lot of people realize that these lawsuits take kind of forever, at least as it relates to the feelings of our clients. And the reality of the situation right now is more likely than not, this lawsuit will not be over until Thomas is either a sophomore or junior in college. So from that standpoint, uh, it will be landmark and not landmark all at the same time to him, no matter what the outcome is. Is, is it kind of similar in that way to the, to the volleyball suit from a decade or so ago that forced the change in the seasons? Yeah, the, the difference the difference in that case, and that case, by the way, when you guys have nothing else to do, you ought to give a lot of publicity to that idea because from what we understand, the MHSAA spent close to a million dollars going to a trial in federal court, to the Sixth Circuit, to the United States Supreme Court, all to try to screw over a bunch of girls who they had forced to play volleyball in the wrong season for their recruiting process. The difference between that case and our case is that was a Title IX case because the plaintiffs, that being the female volleyball players, were able to show, were able to make a claim that was upheld all the way through the courts that they were getting screwed over because they were female. And that something that's recognized in the law, gender, uh, ethnicity, race, those kinds of things, age, those things are different. Unfortunately for us, Thomas Kitzer is a white kid, white male. He's not female, he's not black. Any religion that would be recognized as being some kind of an ethnic thing, and that makes our case a lot tougher. What would you say supports uh, your claim that this is not an athletically motivated transfer? Yeah, Fish and I are going to give you two different answers. The the technical legal answer, sorry, this is Johnson, I'll do that one, and Fish can do the, 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 the real one that <laughs> common everyday people understand. But under the law, you guys, this um, subparagraph 7 is the one and only thing that the MHSAA claimed that Thomas violated. And once you violate that paragraph, under their rules, it's therefore deemed, in their mind, to be a, an ath, uh, academic over-athletic uh, transfer. In other words, more athletic than academic. And really what happened here is since they never spoke to Thomas, 
and they never spoke to Foster Lawyer, the kid that Thomas played AAU basketball with. And under that sub rule, they concluded, quote, that Thomas sought to transfer to play with Foster Lawyer, end quote. They concluded that simply because the two of those guys played AAU basketball together, and now Thomas ended up at that high school. So they assumed it without ever giving the due process of talking to either one of them or the respective four parents involved. So we believe from a technical legal standpoint that they absolutely have no basis to claim that this was an athletic transfer. Okay, so here's the, here's the, the non-technical answer to that. Anybody that says to you, and everybody, not everybody, a lot of people will tell you, well, he's a great player and he's going to Michigan State, and Dan Fife's son is an assistant coach at Michigan State, and lawyer's going to Michigan State. Therefore, it must have been an athletic transfer. And when people tell you that, here's what you should tell them. You say, seriously, if the kid wanted to make an athletic transfer, he and his parents knew because it had been offered to them they could have gone to one of those prep schools where everybody else goes from the state of Michigan when they don't want to butt heads with the MHSAA. He could have gone for free to La Lumiere in Indiana where all kind of great players are there. And if it really were athletically motivated, that's where he would be. He'd be in a tribe in that prep school. He wouldn't have to deal with Jack Roberts in the MHSAA. And he'd have his high school or senior year paid for. The fact that he didn't do that should be all you need to know, all you need to know, that this was not athletically motivated. He had to know, because this has reared its ugly head a few times over the last few years, that there might be some kind of scrutiny of this. He had to know, and he did know, that the people at Macomb, Dakota, including his former coach and former athletic director, were all over him, had been driving him crazy, trying to get him to stay. He knew what their lack of character was. He knew they would probably try to do something to him. And yet and still, he went and he moved to Clarkson and transferred them. Why would he do that? if it was athletically motivated. If it was athletically motivated, he could have avoided the whole problem and gone and played at the prep school and gone on to college like a lot of these great players do. And the other thing to think about, guys, is if all he cared about was basketball, he'd be back at Dakota playing basketball now or trying to transfer to one of these prep schools that he was offered a full ride uh, to, La La Mer and Mount Verde down in uh, Florida, the second one, and that he turned down to stay in Michigan. So if that's all he wanted to do, he has all three of those options available to him right now. And what is he going to do? He's going to stay at Clarkston, work out with the practice squad, and and graduate uh, in his senior year. The, the fact of the matter is, what's really crazy is under the uh, under the MHSAA rules, once Dakota objected to the transfer, the burden of proof. I know I'm being technical lawyer again. Sorry guys. The burden of proof is on Dakota to prove that their allegations are true. Well, two things on that. One, Dakota alleged all these people issued undue influence, including apparently Coach Izzo, Michigan State staff, and Coach Fife at Clarkston, all proven to be wrong. And the MHSAA in their own writing says, guess what, Dakota, you didn't sustain your burden of proof on that. Dakota, on the second point, uh, also um, did go on the athletic, athletically motivated uh, rule. And their proof, all of their proof was, is that Thomas played AAU basketball with Foster Lawyer. <laughs> Again, without any Anybody talking to the people involved, that's all the proof that was given about any alleged more athletic than academic transfer, and that's all these people needed to hear, so translation fix was in from the very beginning. As I said in the beginning, what 
the MHSAA in general, and Jack Roberts in particular, are trying to do is turn back the clock to a time, let's say, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, before all the things that have changed in sports started to occur. They are on the record, at least according to an article I read written by a really good reporter named Sean Windsor, on the record as saying that that's what they're attempting to do. That it's terrible what's going on now. Kids are transferring. People are playing AAU. They hate AAU. I didn't particularly like AAU. I had a son who was a really good player. I didn't particularly care for it. I saw a lot of stuff in AAU. Just I didn't like. But all you can do on an individual basis as an individual parent is make sure that your kid, when he or she plays AAU, gets into the right group and gets with the right kids. The notion that somehow this is going to stop, I mean, look at it in football. You guys cover football, too, I presume. Did you ever hear of seven-on-seven stuff before, what, eight years ago, six years ago, right? Coaches hate it, the high school coaches. The high school athletic directors hate it, and I'm going to tell you why. When I was a kid, when I was a player, when Ben was a player, the high school coaches actually had something to do with where you went to college. The high school coaches were the people that the colleges contacted because the coach had influence. Now they hate the fact that oftentimes it's the AAU coach who has more influence over the kid and the kid's family than the high school coach. They hate that. I don't like it either. But you can't be blind to the fact that this is the way things are. And they cannot justify in any way, shape, or form picking this kid, Thomas Kippinger, and screwing him over just to try to make this greater point about something they're never going to be able to change anyway. That's really what this whole thing boils down to. Or all the best players are just going to fly the state as they already have, and I know Fish has a lot of this uh, uh, anecdotal evidence that, that could turn into evidence in our case about how many of the best players in their recent past, but especially in basketball, have gone these uh, prep school routes, uh, La La Mer, Mount Verde down in Florida, uh, and then they come back to Michigan to play college ball. So we lose some of our best high school players every year just so they can get around what they perceive to be this ridiculous uh, implementation of uh, an archaic rule. Hypothetically say that it was an athletically motivated transfer, and I I know that you have to stick to the letter of the law, but is that, do you, in your opinion, is that a good rule that the MHSAA is enforcing? Horrible. This is Johnson. Horrible. If if my son, well, my son was into uh, theater arts, if he wanted to go to a school that had a better theater arts program uh, and it didn't cost me any more to go, another public school, which, by the way, was uh, another one right down the road, and he wanted to go there, I would have sent him to that school in a second. If, if Steve had a, uh, as a daughter that was uh, a great dancer and, and was into the performing arts also and, and that end of things when she was in high school, I know he would have done the same thing. It, uh, he, how about a math club, physics club, Spanish club? We, we would have no problem whatsoever but for whatever reason people get all excited about the athletic thing and here's what i want everyone to remember talk about it you can't just do it for sports i agree but the kid still is graduating from high school anyway and guess what he's blown it away he's got a great great point average and he's already solidified his spot in college so we don't have to worry that he's putting sports over academics he's taking care of that so what are we doing so here's 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 the way i look at it you're asking me whether a rule that says that a transfer should be invalidated, if it's for athletic reasons, do I think that's a good rule? And Ben has given you any number of things that, that, that point out that the rule is ridiculous. Okay? The problem that we've told 
various people in the media this before. If you want to know why athletics is overemphasized, all the people who watch ESPN 24 hours a day, who go in on the blogs to see what a seventh grader is going to do about going to high school, they all need to look in the mirror. I played 50 years ago, okay? 50 years ago, athletics had its proper place in society. Then played 35 years ago. 35 years ago, athletics had its proper place in society. But with the advent of 24-hour coverage and ESPN and the Big Ten Network and all the blogging and all this stuff and all these people living vicariously, that's why athletics is emphasized and overemphasized to the extent that it is. And that's not Thomas Kipier's fault or any of these ballplayers' fault. That's not their fault. That's the society's fault. And what Jack Roberts has done, and he was quoted in this very same article, saying, I don't care what anybody says, athletics is different. And what he's basically saying is, well, that's okay that the society you know, decides that athletics is the most important thing on earth, so we'll just screw over this kid because athletics has now become elevated. And that's insane. I mean, think about it. That's insane. Why should the kid have to pay the price for that? He didn't make it that way. None of these kids made it that way. LeBron James didn't tell somebody to put him on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was in the 11th grade, but they did. Why? Because that's what the public likes. And if the public likes it that way, then they're going to have to put up with some of these things that Jack Roberts has his finger in the dike like the Dutch boy, thinking that the water is not going to come over and drown, because the water is already drowned. What's your reaction to U.S. District Judge Mary Vitani's statement uh, saying that there's no constitutional right to play high school sports or participate in any high school-related activity? We, we, we can tell you something that's even worse than that. First thing, what the judge said is what the law is, and she didn't write that law. Most of that law was written many years ago by appellate judges, most of whom were men, probably none of whom ever threw a ball across the street. Number two, the United States Supreme Court has ruled that we don't have a constitutional right to an education. So you shouldn't be surprised that the appellate courts have made the kind of rulings they've made with respect to athletics. We, we don't have any gripe with Judge Batani, that's for sure. She did not feel good about it. I guarantee you she didn't feel good about it because the kid hasn't done anything wrong. And, and by the way, playing... AU with Foster Lawyer, that's not wrong. Even the MHSAA can't say it's wrong. They just use that as their horseman or reason for justifying what they did. So the law sticks. That's true. And Judge Batani, unfortunately, had to follow the law. But before you start thinking it only goes to athletics, take a look, and I can't remember the name of the case, where the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Americans don't even have a constitutional right to education, let alone to play ball as part of your education. Which I promise you will shock almost every member of your listening audience, as it should. But it's been that way, like Fish said, if I'm not mistaken, Fish, since the 1980s. Is there virtually any chance that Thomas will be able to play high school basketball this year? Sadly, no. Unless the MHSAA changes their mind, which they have already indicated both publicly and privately, that they are not going to do. They, have, they, they claim they've had two appeals when there's really only a process for one. They claim a lot of things, but they say under no circumstances will they change their position. So as of now, answer no, and I can assure you on behalf of Thomas Kithier, Steve and I have had a long, a very difficult talk with Thomas and his parents, and we have told them that as far as we know, we've exhausted pretty much all reasonable remedies to try to make that happen, sadly, for him. Wait, wait, wait keep in mind what you just asked. Is there any chance that he could play this year. Yeah, there, there was a chance, and the chance should have been 100%. All the MHSA had to do, all Mr. Roberts had to do, and keep in mind, by the way, Jack Roberts and I are the exact same age. I understand he played college football. That's what I'm told. I mean, he played sports. 
including in high school, obviously. All they had to do was say, hey, they can turn out on a press cam. We won. Judge McCanny upheld it. But in this case, after reviewing everything, we agree it's unfair to screw this kid. That's all they have to do. That's all they have to do. They, it wouldn't have been binding on anything else that ever happened. It wouldn't have changed their stupid rules. It wouldn't have changed anything. All they have to do was show that they were men about it, and they recognize that they're screwing this kid. But and women. You haven't seen them do it, have you? What's the what's the next step here? This is a uh, you know final question here for you guys. Is this a lawsuit that is going to be seen through? You're, you're talking about into Thomas's sophomore and junior year at Michigan State. What's the next step that you guys are taking? Right, right now, the next step is that we've uh, there, a motion to dismiss was filed by the MHSAA. That's where they're asking the judge to throw the entire case out of court, arguing a number of arguments that were already made as part of the preliminary injunction. Even if Judge Batani were uh, somewhat persuaded by that, we've put it, or alleged as part of the lawsuit a number of state law claims, Michigan law claims. Even if Judge Batani is convinced there is no federal case, the case more likely than not would be then transferred to a state court, Oakland or Macomb County, depending on a lot of different things. And the case would then proceed on the state law claims there likely for a number of months and likely for a number of years. That is currently where everything is. Well, then, Steve, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and taking time out of your day to talk to us about this very um, kind of intricate situation that's going on here uh, here in the state of Michigan. Uh, thank you so much once again for coming on. Thank you, guys. Appreciate okay. it. Again, a huge thank you to Ben Johnson and Steve Fishman for coming on the show this week. Uh, next week we will have a representative from the MHSAA to give us the other side of this argument, and that will be John Johnson. We're looking forward to talking to him, so make sure you come back for that next week. But for now, why don't we get into the Get Around Hall of Fame and induct our Athlete of the Week. James, why don't you go ahead and get us started with who you believe should be enshrined this week. I'm going to pound the table for Garrett Miller. I, I he, like Garrett Miller. He, uh, he came into the, the game on Friday night against Kingsley. He needed 31 points to get a, to hit 1,000. Ended up with 45. I mean, that's, uh, I, I believe that's the single highest game that we've had this year in all of the high schools that we cover. Yeah, I think that's only the second 40-point game that we've had, boys or girls, mm-hmm. joining Central's Margot Margo Wolfter, Wolfter. So. Pretty sure Caden Hale hit like 41 at some point this season. He did. Okay, yeah. three. Hale had I 41. Stand corrected. But what's what's funny about that is he did that on Friday night. I was out covering the Frankfurt Onekama game. I'm talking to Frankfurt head coach Reggie Manville after the game, and talking about Garrett Miller and how he's kind of st- taken a step back this season and how he has been putting up the numbers that he was putting up last year so what's funny about that is that i get a text from james uh, soon after i i leave frankfurt high school that says he's got dibs on miller for athlete of the week and the kid puts up 45 points and i go well i guess talking about him was pretty helpful although obviously he had done that you know before manville and i had that conversation but it's good to see him uh, really jump back up and, and show his talent because, as I said, he was my preseason pick for Boys Player of the Year. All right, Adam, how about uh, you next? I'm going to go with Charlevoix's Elise Stuck. She's been up for this award before, uh, but she did not win. But uh, this last week, 
She led Charlevoix to a 2-0 record over a pair of teams that each had winning records at the time. Uh, she had 30 points and 8 rebounds and a 19-point win over Harbor Springs. And then uh, 36 points, 7 boards, 4 assists, 3 steals in a 61-39 win over East Jordan. And, um, you know, because of that, Charlevoix is sitting alone in second place in the Lake Michigan Conference at 5-1. and one. They're 8-3 overall, so... They still have a shot to even up with St. Francis the next time they play. And, I mean, overall, that's a that's a pretty strong league this year, kind of top to bottom. And if she wins, we'll have a matchup of two Hall of Famers on Tuesday night. That's true. Well, I'm glad that we have Arturo's pick for Athlete of the Week. And after the numbers that I heard there, I'm pretty sure that uh, we will have a consensus when it comes to time for voting, but I am going to put up my athlete, and that is Frankfurt's Jalen Rogers. He had 31 points versus Onekamo. He also had seven three-pointers. The The kid just looked unstoppable uh, against the Portagers, uh, and every time, uh, or at least on, on several occasions, the three-pointers that he hit were were a shot in the arm for the Panthers at the time. They were down eight to six. He had a three. They were down sixteen to fifteen. He had a three. They were tied twenty four twenty four. He had a three. They were down twenty eight twenty seven. He had a three. Basically, without him, I don't know if the if the Panthers win that game. Loney was going off too, but they needed every point from Jalen Rogers to get that win. I think this is a week where we should just put all three of them in. That's weak. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, we can't do that. We can always, as we have, once we get out of the winter sports season, we will do the retroactive Hall of Fame. And my guess is that both Garrett Miller and Jalen Rogers will get in at that point if they don't get in at some point down the season. But my vote is for Elise Stuck after having a 30-point game and a 36-point game, both wins, and you really can't take away from what she did and uh, and how much she has proven this season. I completely agree with you, Brendan, but I feel torn as to voting for my own candidate, albeit completely deserving. Um, I most always vote for my own candidate. I know you do. And this, the fact that I'm not this week. I know I, I have a chance to claim it for my candidate right now uh, by voting for myself. All right, Arturo. Uh, well, then why don't we have, but, hand it over to Jimmy James Cook and have him vote before you vote? I'm going to abstain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, what I was going to say was that it's very hard not to vote for the single greatest output of the basketball season to this point. Yes, but it was only one game. Stuck had two solid games. Average 33.5, boards. Yep, not so bad. All right, what the hell? I'll Are take you the sure win. it was 33.5? Oh, 33 and seven and a half. Sorry, thank you. Math, ladies and gentlemen. Not Arturo's strong point. Does the A stand for arithmetic? Does not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, you are abstaining, is that correct, James? Well, you're going to vote for Elise, right? So Yeah, yeah so I'll, it's over. Who are you going to vote for, anyway? Well, yeah, I'll just make it unanimous and vote for Elise. That sets up our head-to-head Hall of Fame matchup on Tuesday that you get to cover, Brendan. Yes, I'm very excited about that because Woofter... If she, I mean, she's got to get one point, and I'm pretty sure she will, but one point for a thousand in her career. And I'll be shooting that game, but Brennan probably won't remember that I'm there. <laughs> Brett and I have conversations a lot where he's talking and I pretend to listen, but uh, apparently I'm not. Or, honestly, my memory is going, and it really seems that my memory is on its way out. 
So maybe I should start, start doing like Sudoku puzzles and all that stuff to keep my brain sharp. Ginkgo. Da- download the Lumosity app on my phone. But you got to pay for that, and I don't really like paying for stuff or uh, or anything at all. I mean, it's my money. Why should I have to give it away for goods and services? It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't understand economics or the invisible hand, as Adam Smith said. Adam Smith, right? Is that is that correct? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, probably. Maybe. <laughs> All right, well, congratulations to Charlevoix's Elise Stuck. You are now in the Get Around Hall of Fame. I don't know why, but that sounded like a Jim Gaffigan impression. <laughs> whatever you just, whatever noises you just made. All right, well, that's good. It goes with my uh, Gary Angers. Uh, I believe I did Mickey from Rocky. I think I did that one, mm-hmm. right? That was the one that you, yeah, you did pretty well, I think. Yeah, I've thrown, I've thrown a few out there. Moving on now to our trifecta as we get towards the end of our show. Towards is not a word, actually. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but towards is, is not a and word. I don't use it. Yeah, toward is, neither is backwards. Backwards is also not a Ir- word. Irregardless. Irregardless, however, is definitely a word. I made that joke in the office one day, and one of our... Three of our... Multiple Three people. people in the office just about fell out of their chair. Yeah, they were, like, going to lose their sh- I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, it was a joke. And this, once again, proves that my sense of humor doesn't often come across as jokes and people think that I'm serious. I, I think that probably explains why. I think the, you do that on purpose because you want to see how crazy you can make people before they realize that you're joking. That is a lot of fun, but I'm pretty sure at this point that sense of humor is costing me any chance that I have at having a relationship and getting married and having kids at some point. Because I really want to name my kids Adamantium and Jimmy James Cook, and it just doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to be in the cards for me, which is pretty upsetting. I guess I'm going to have to... When you do find that lucky lady, don't tell her what you want to name the kids. I'm pretty sure that I won't have <laughs> any say in, in any of the names of our kids, but I will be like, hey, can the middle name at least be Adamantium or Jimmy James and maybe Arturo? I think that would be great. But let's get into the trifecta, end this show. We're going to put this show out of its misery like old yeller. So into the trifecta we venture. And it's right back where the red fern grows. Another, another really sad book about dogs dying. And I'm, I'm not going to make it through this without crying, but it's okay. I... At least I have Your that emotion. Your dogs will be there for you when you get home. Oh, man. Hopefully. I was thinking about this. I don't know why. Every once in a while, this pops into my head. I'm like, oh, my God, my dogs are going <laughs> to die someday. And every time I go, man, I really, I'm hoping that I die before that because I'm not going to be able to handle it. I just won't. I will not be able to handle when my dogs die. It's, uh, I, fingers crossed I'm dead first. And I, if it's like a notebook thing where my dogs and I die, I'm holding their paws and they, you know, their paws are in my hand. That'd be great. That'd be fine with me. But but enough about dead dogs. Let's move on and wrap this show up with the trifecta. Our favorite, like I said, slash best slash whatever football movies that that we like, that are good, that we've seen. Brett has never seen Rudy, and James over there has never seen Little Giants, which are both of my picks, actually. Or Remember the Titans. Oh, you've never seen Remember the Titans? Good lord. Where are you at? You The same for you, Arturo. I don't understand it. How have you not seen Rudy? All right, uh, why don't we start with your pick, Mr. B.A. Sports Writer? 
I'm going to go with Remember the Titans. Uh, James, definitely, I'm not going to give you too much crap for not having seen it, but probably watch it some weekend or whatever. Great advice. I mean, yeah. he really seemed like he was passionate about that. Like, you know, watch it or, or don't. Just some weekend. I don't want to put too whatever. much pressure on him. <laughs> I do have a week of furlough coming up, so maybe. Okay. All right. Number one on the watch list above what's the thing that was already number one on your watch list? There was another movie that I promised to watch that you guys that that I hadn't seen. The Sandlot. Sandlot. Okay, yeah. you're gonna watch a double watch. feature. And I'm pretty sure you can go to Family Video. Do you have an account at Family Video? You could probably get both of those movies for fifty cents. In fact, I got a phone call the other day saying that I won a free movie from Family Video, and for the next two weeks, half price off of uh, of anything that I rent. So that's very exciting for me. That's see. about all I've got going. My dogs and I are just gonna sit at home alone. And I'll probably rent a couple of movies that are going to make me cry. Anyway, I, you know, not having actually experienced the real-life events behind Remember the Titans, I can't officially say. That. <laughs> are you laughing because I just jumped right in? No, what I'm laughing about is that, obviously, I mean, I wasn't a part of the Remember the Titans story. Because uh, if I was, uh, I obviously I couldn't pick it as my favorite movie because it would be a conflict of interest. But... Hey, Brett, why don't you uh, talk about how you weren't part of uh, desegregation? Uh, you're such an ass. James is asleep. <laughs> he does look like he was sleeping. <laughs> were you sleeping or you were looking at your phone? I was looking at my phone. I'm, I'm, I'm breading. It's always difficult to evaluate how close Hollywood gets the real-life interpretations of, of movies. But I feel like the portrayal uh, of the desegregation in Virginia, um, and you know the bringing in of uh, Coach Boone, who's played by Denzel Washington, and then uh, Will Will Patton, who plays the assistant coach uh, to Denzel. I don't remember his character's name, but I really like him in Gone in sixty seconds. Great in Armageddon uh, too. Yes, yes. Um, Speaking yeah. of movies that make me cry, and you've got Donald Faison. Is that how you say it, right? Faison. From Scrubs? Yes, from Scrubs. Donald Faison. Ryan Hurst, who looks, well, obviously he went on to star in Sons of Anarchy, right? He was Opie, yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw it. It unfortunately only lasted one season because WGN ran out of money, but I really enjoyed Outsiders. Yeah. I was really hoping that another network would pick that up and continue it, but there were so many big-name actors in that that nobody was willing to commit the resources to a show with only one season under its belt. That's how I feel about Limitless. I don't know if you guys ever got around to, into that, no. to watching that. It was awesome. It was so good, and I just watched it again on Netflix, and every once in a while I Google Limitless Season 2, and it's always not going to happen. And is that based on the movie? It is based on the movie, yeah. Okay. So Bradley Cooper I have is... seen that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie. I keep threatening to him, like, maybe I'll stop at Family Video and rent it. And now I, that I, I have, think I did actually see that movie. But now that I have a, uh, a free movie rental at Family Video. I thought it was only half off. Uh, no, f- one free one oh, and then half off oh, for two weeks. Big coupon. So, yeah. Wow. I must have won some contest. I don't know how I did that. I don't remember entering into it. Maybe they're just trying to steal my identity. They just send those out every once in a while. I get them every once in a while, too. So I think it's just kind of random. So I'm not special is what you're saying. That my mother is wrong, that I'm not special. Yeah. Getting back to the movie, you've also got the young Ryan Gosling, young Hayden Panettiere, who, that little girl in that movie is hilarious, knows everything about football, and is always putting everybody on the spot. There's some 
good goosebump moments in that movie. I think we've touched on one before. I think you brought it up in the best sports movie speeches when yep. uh, Coach Boone takes the team to Gettysburg uh, after a, what seems like he made them run all night to get there. I don't know how long the run actually was, but it seemed like it bordered on cruel and unusual. But, hey, but uh, he ran it too. So. That's true. That's true. He did. Um, Poor old Louis Lastic, though. Uh, what is his name? But he's he's Frankie from Boy Meets World, he's, right? I, I I love him and pretty much everything that he does. He's, he's also a super racist neo-Nazi is in he? American History oh. X. Oh, I thought you were gonna say in real life. I was gonna be very disappointed. <laughs> yes, he was in My Name Is Earl, and he's dropped a bunch of weight too. Yeah, he, yeah, a ton of weight. Um, Unless he's put it back on, I don't really. I feel better I now. You were him. you were about to crush my soul with that one. Like I thought you were gonna say that he was a bad person. <laughs> No, he just played a really bad person in American History X. Okay, well, actors have to do that sometimes, so... As they say in acting. <laughs> Let's do that acting. Let's do that acting. <laughs> uh, but just, I mean, the the progressions that so many characters make... You've been talking about Remember the Titans too long, so we're going to... Okay, well, that's only because we started talking about family video. We started talking about whatever the hell James was talking about. (laughs) I literally... There was literally ten minutes between when I started talking about Remember the Titans and when I finished. (laughs) Limitless, baby. Yes, limitless. Outsiders. uh, well, that was at yes, but that was at least somewhat related because of Ryan Hurst. You want me to just like give a play-by-play, start to finish? So we got the time. James, your favorite football movie? What are you going with? Uh, I had to. Uh, I think I had to rock paper scissors Brett for this one, for uh, any given Sunday. Which I think you you just it, used it, in a couple other yeah, categories. Yeah, it'd be nice to hear somebody else's take on this movie. Uh, I I just like that it's. Uh, it's it's kind of a little bit more of a raw look at football. You know, I, I considered concussion as well, just because it's a, also a different take on football. Um, there's not actually really a, any football action really going on on screen in concussion. It's all behind the scenes stuff. But in any given Sunday, I just like that you know the, the rawness and and taking into account some of the other things that uh, other NFL or football movies don't like. You know, the drug abuse, you know, abuse of painkillers. The calls of medical doctors from the sideline. A lot, lot of cursing. A lot of cursing. Yeah, you've also got the you got the ownership <clears throat> angle in that one, James. Uh, Cameron Diaz with Miss... What's her last name? Pagnacci. Very Italian. Pagnacci, yeah. Yeah, if, if she doesn't scream Italian, I don't know who does. A white blonde woman, that's, that's a, as Italian as it gets. Yeah, and then they also have the struggle then with that, uh, kind of an extension of that with the league as well, where you have the cameo of Charlton Heston as the league commissioner. I never caught that. No? Or didn't realize it was Charlton Heston. <laughs> good, old, good old Moses. Yeah. The Ten Commandments. Give, eight. Speaking, of, down a, the Ten speaking Commandments. of another Scrubs reference, the, the journalist in uh, Any Given Sunday, right? Yeah, he's, John McGinley. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he's in that. Oh, Johnny C. McGinley. Yeah, he's in that. It's, you know, he doesn't have a Red Wings jersey on in this, but we'll, that. we'll give that a pass. I, I, actually, this time I made kind of a little bit of a list, like what Brett usually has, where he has about six. So uh, my other ones were Invincible, The Program. Oh, The Program. Don't they, like, lay down in the middle of the street at yeah. some point? Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, and then there were actual players, football players in real life that did that and then died because they got hit by uh, by cars. And that's unfortunate. Controversial. Yeah. yeah. All right. Also, I had uh, as I mentioned before concussion. I thought that was a very good uh, uh, football movie. And as an honorable mention, Paper Lion. Paper Lion. I have never heard of that one. Uh, it's a fairly a older movie starring Alan Alda as George Plimpton, who was a who was a writer and wrote a book where he tried out for the Detroit Lions. All right. Your pick. And in the show with me. All right, I enjoy Little Giants. I, I We've talked about that one earlier in the show, but I'm sure at this point if people aren't screaming at their computer or their radio at this point and the fact that this movie hasn't been mentioned, have no fear. Before you get there, I'm going to interrupt Rudy you Rudy is here. Time. What's up? I was just going to give one more honorable mention. Hit me up with that HM, yo. The Replacements. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. The replacements. Another for me, it was like the triumvirate uh, was. Remember the Titans, the replacements in any given Sunday. So the Holy Trinity, as you were saying, is have no fear. Rudy is here. A movie based on Notre Dame football player or the short-lived football player and the short actually Daniel Rudy Rudiger. I just you know I remember sitting down you know one Saturday and watching that movie and just being blown away by the storytelling yeah i just i don't know i really like the movie but i'm going to give you guys some some facts here i know brett you haven't seen it so you don't really care at this point feel free to look at your phone but so the scene in rudy where the players go in and like forfeit their jerseys or lay their jerseys on uh head coach dan devine's desk that never happened and in fact dan devine the coach that was like kind of played as the villain was actually very supportive of rudy so that was uh, that was incorrect the the older brother didn't exist fortune who was played by charles s dutton uh, the groundskeeper he didn't exist there was a chant there was the rudy chant but that only happened after he had the sack and even then it was kind of only a small part of the crowd but daniel rudy rudiger was actually in the movie he was the one that uh, in the stands at the end of it yeah then you got uh, good old sean Aston coming in there as samwise gamgee from the lord of the rings even though i've seen those movies dozens of times well probably not dozens of times but more than a few times and stranger things and Stranger Things, yeah, he was he was Bob, and you Bob got Bob the Brain. You've got uh, Vinny Vaughn in there and John Favreau, who were who would later uh, star in the movie Swingers. A piece of Rudy trivia right there for you. Mm-hmm. So. I, I I mean I I generally liked Rudy. Uh, it 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 kind of dragged on a little bit with the stuff for me. So I mean it was kind of like not a whole lot of you know you went through a whole lot and then there was like the little bit of payoff at the end where he played in one play and then he was offsides yeah and i'm gonna be honest with you i haven't seen that movie in a very long time i'm 33 so i'm guessing i saw it back in my teens it has been quite a while but i still feel that i am uh, qualified enough to make the judgment that this is my best slash favorite football movie even though it's been 15 plus years since i've seen it i just love the t-shirt that says rudy was offsides i just think that's hilarious but that's my sense of humor all three of us are wearing that right now we got it from kohl's let's <laughs> <laughs> ask cena if they do have those well it's going to wrap up the show right here in the podcast studio of the traverse city record eagle thank you so much for listening i am brendan queely and joining me as always in the studio this week were james cook and Brett Summers, I believe that is the first time that I have actually called you by your correct name this entire episode. And you seem 
either perturbed or at the very least disappointed. tired of it. But again, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you come back next week for episode number 21 when this podcast is legally able to drink. Mm-hmm.